When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. It's Will here. As many, if not all of you know by now, my friend and VO mentor Kevin Conroy sadly passed away last week. Kevin was an incredible talent, and an even better human being. I don't know if there will ever be a character so identified with an actor, or an actor so identified with a character, as Kevin was with Batman. Kevin is Batman. When Christy and I started I Hear Voices, we put together a list of the actors we wanted to talk to to capture these incredible stories, and Kevin was right at the top. Being the man he was, he said simply, When and where do you need me? Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for taking this naive 19-year-old actor under your wing, for teaching him how to address a microphone, how to roll his shoulders back, how to open his diaphragm, and how to turn his pages without making any noise. I would not be the person or the actor that I am if I didn't know you, and I will think about you every time I'm in a booth. Rest well, my friend. I love you, and I will miss you every day. Everyone, the great Kevin Conroy. If you want to see people go insane at a convention. Oh, boy. Kevin, we will be sitting on a panel, (laughs) and Kevin Conroy will start to sing, I I feel blue. Am I blue? Am I blue? Yeah, they like that. (laughs) I like that. There was a time I was her only one. Now I'm the sad and lonely one. Lonely. Dang. And so sung that as Batman on the Batman the Animated Series. And so he will hit the first note. And you will see hundreds of people, <laughs> ah, 
like go insane to see this. And normally he's sitting next to the people who played Wonder Woman, Greenland, doesn't matter. Every, all eyes, Kevin Conroy, and he just owns the stage. It is absolutely That's insane. So nice we are, of course, yeah. sitting That's here nice with Kevin Conroy. Look right at now. that love that Will. Of course, it's love. Will loves you so much. He's mentioned well, you. We've worked together for 22, 22 years. When did we start? 97. 97 25 years 25 years 97 wow. we started and it was my first ever animated series and you took me under your wing from day one and you didn't have to you easily could have been one of those actors but this is why we keep talking about the voiceover world compared to the on-camera world oh yeah because i walked into that room i was as frightened as i've ever been in my life i'd never done an animated series and now i've been cast as batman and batman beyond with yeah. andre romano directing bruce tim paul dini glenn murakami all these incredible people involved, uh, and you're sitting there going, what am I gonna do? And I'm sitting next to Kevin Conroy, who has no been pressure. Batman forever. <laughs> what are, he easily could have been, who are you, kid? What are you doing here? But, but he wasn't. Yeah, what are you doing here, kid? Exactly. Get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't. He opened his arms. He taught me how to sit behind the microphone, how to oh, work wow. out your, don't wait, wait. slouch. How, yeah, I was gonna say, how did you, how did you teach him? Do well, you remember certain, meeting him? There's certain tricks in the sound room mm -hmm. that when you, come from the outside yeah. you don't understand that you know every noise in the room is being recorded and when other people are acting because uh warner brothers likes to get all the cast together correct okay so you're not working in a vacuum you're working it's like do, recording a play yeah. so all these other people are in the same room together all those mics are live mm -hmm. so every time you turn a page it can destroy someone else's performance oh my gosh someone can so give a angry. great take and then someone rustles a page over there and their take has to be done again. Yeah. Do you have any memories of anybody ruining a take that was like some of your best work kind of thing? Has anyone ruined your performance? This is what Christy Who likes to ask. Noise? Exactly. This is what Christy likes to ask. So who do you hate? No, let's get the team. Who really screwed up? <laughs> no, but then so there's an art to turning the page by picking up the entire page and moving it over and laying it down rather sure. than turning it. You do it yeah. that way without making any noise. Yeah. But you taught me so all So someone's just got to show you, it's just basics like that. Right. So Will had never been in a sound studio like no? that before, okay. ever. So he just needed someone to Dad, show him that did stuff. Did you know his work from other, other things he was doing? No, or what was your not. first impression of Will? A great guy. Yeah. Who I knew came from a very successful show uh -huh. that I had never seen. Mm -hmm. Boy I'm, I'm just not that much of a TV. Were, I'm not a TV junkie. You also were in our demographic. If we're, I if was we're in honest. your demographic. Yeah, if you're honest. And um, but I knew he'd done a successful show, and I wasn't sure. You know, actors are people. There are nice Sometimes, ones. Sometimes, if you feed them, there are nice the right ones, food. and there are not such nice ones. Yeah, you know, there are generous <laughs> ones and selfish ones. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. are people you want to work with, and there are pricks you just want to avoid. Yeah. Yep. Did I just use a bad word? That's okay. We'll, we can bleep it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's that. It's not that bad. It's no. not that bad. No, it's not. Most kids have heard that by this point. But so when you're dealing with someone who came from a successful show, you don't know what you're going to be dealing with. You know? Sure. So I didn't know. I thought, oh, is he going to come in with a lot of attitude? You know. And he didn't. He came in ready to work, just open, terrified. giving, generous. You know, I should have known because Andrea Romano, who cast the show. She's my sister, by the way. Oh, because they're both Romano. Are you, are you Romano? <laughs> Yeah. I wish. I still haven't met her. My last name is Romano, yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wonder if you're related somehow. I kind of do. I think I've actually messaged her. Are you related her. to Reno Romano? Oh, good question. Uh, I want to I want to work with all these wonderful women. Reno's so. another Reno's, well, Reno's another, another voice actor. Yeah, it's another Batman. Oh, too. it's a it's a Reno is a man. Yes. Yeah. And I said it was a woman. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Reno's a great guy. But anyway, um, 
Uh, she always brings people together who are just generous, fun, creative, not a lot of judgment, not a lot of attitude, just ready to play. Yeah. That's what all the yeah. bookings have always been like for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, just oh my goodness. no That's attitude. Lucky. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is lucky, but it's not lucky. It's, it's Andrea. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's more of a science to it, I think, than just luck. Okay. She knows what to look for in people and she brings yeah. wonderful people together. She so. also, so here's a, here's a question for you because one of the things that Andrea, I always noticed did was she just, she cares about the acting. That's all it's all it's about. It's just get the best actor you can for the role. However, at the same time, she's turned more quote unquote on camera actors into voiceover actors than anybody else I've ever seen. I'd never done a voiceover role before. I now consider myself more of a voiceover actor than I do mm -hmm. an on-camera actor. Will Wheaton. You know, there's a giant group of us who look at Andrea and essentially say, we were one thing in this industry. And then you brought us into a whole nother side. And now we consider ourselves a whole different thing. Right. So there's a strangeness where, yes, she wants to get the best actor possible, but then she takes that actor and brings them into this world. And it's like... Now you're something else. And there's something really, I mean, well, I mean, you yeah, started he, you on started, stage, didn't you? I was a New York actor, much like you. You're Juilliard trained as Juilliard, well. Juilliard, yes. You know, they rejected me. The classics. Did they? They Did rejected they really me. Okay, so I. More fools them. Oh, yes. That's okay, I totally see it. So it, I, <laughs> I, I was um, infatuated. My mom used to call it cross training, but she was like, yeah, let's do the dancing. Let's go to a school of American ballet. I got kicked out of there. And I went to I went to performing arts school right there by yeah. the fame school. I went yeah. to professional children's school. Anyway, long story short, I auditioned. I trained for about a year to be a colorateur soprano oh, wow. in the pre-college Juilliard program. I was not accepted into the program. They said I had, because I was a Broadway kid, so I did a lot of Broadway belting. It turns out I had too many bad habits for Juilliard. Really? But wow. my God, is Juilliard amazing. And anyone that's done Juilliard wow. training has a lot of respect it's 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 grueling. I mean, it's it's I, it's a I, grueling I, experience. For somebody who doesn't know anything about Juilliard, is it a four year program? Is it a two year? Program? Well, it can be many things. The right. the there's uh, the pre college yeah, prep. There are a lot of different of programs you can do. What did you I do? I did the four year. You program. did four year. Okay. Uh, I was seventeen. I'd left high school early. I was the youngest one in the school when I went in. But I was six two and I had a deep voice. Yeah. No one really thought about it, you know, because I just fit right in. But um, so pretty, I, I really wanted to decent get... looking guy too. If we're honest want, with each other, nah, was, oh come on, yeah, oh pimp, come on, pimply, forget yeah. about forget about how how, how you're still you know. a, a hugely attractive man. Nah, you would show nah. me pictures you're of dashing. yourself back in the day. I think he's dashing. It was Thank like you. it was incredible. I mean, you're let's be honest, he's pretty, a damn, pretty damn good looking oh, guy. God, I'm coming back here. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I, I mean, like this company. But the whole package when it comes to, especially back in the day, what they're, what you're looking for as an actor. Yeah. I mean, commanding the presence, the talent, I mean. But so I went for the four-year program because I wanted to get a BFA, okay. uh, which involved doing academics on the side. Oh, where did you do the academics? On the fourth floor. Oh, so it's, it's through Juilliard. Yeah. But and they different. had special teachers who would come in and there'd be, you know, you're, you're dealing with people in SAB, School of American Ballet. Yes, that's Ballet, where I went. I got kicked out of there. the American Opera Center. I mean, all these incredibly, <laughs> inc you know, stars of yeah. their generation yeah. with dance and singing and yeah. acting. You know, Kevin Klein's in your English class, Jeez. that kind of stuff. And you're talking about, you know, Dickens or something. You're studying English literature 
with people who are really thinking about <laughs> what they're going to have to perform that night, yes. you know, what yes. they're going to present. That was actually my high school experience, too. I wow. mean, it's all about performance. It's all performance-oriented. So these academic classes were such an afterthought. They were a joke. They were kind <laughs> of a joke. They yeah. were a joke. Wow. Yeah, understandably. That everyone went to just to, you know, get the basic training so yeah. we could get a get BFA. The... Because you were spending, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day in performing, fencing, Dance, movement, voice, diction, acting classes, poetry classes, French mass classes. It's a job. It's like I mean, a full time massive. job. Yeah. And for each one of those classes, you have to perform. It's all performance based. Oh, geez. so you're doing a French mass class. You can fence. And I. You know oh, how yeah. to fence? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh! Did you know that? I did not know. I that. was trained by B. H. Barry. The you know there's. Like I don't Zorro? know. I'm going to be Zorro? He's no. He's um. He's like the stage fighting theater stage fighting guy. Really. It's a British cool. wonderful stage running guy. But Pierre Lefebvre taught me French math. Now, see, that that name I And know, I was obviously. in that class with Robin Williams. So my presentation, I did a scene from Peter Pan, the fight between Captain Hook and Peter Pan okay. as the characters. And we staged a fight. And who did I do it with? Harriet Harris. Was that, do you know who, Harriet? Where, the wonderful you, character actress. Now, wait, were you Peter or were you Hook? Hook? You were Hook. Hook. Okay, you were the bad guy. Because of his height. And my voice. Okay, and that's, his voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what did it. It was. But the you voice. present these pieces, and you know, it takes weeks to work on these things and present them, and and then get judged by. Oh, everybody. torn down. So, I bet. oh, the judgment was the incredible. Criticism is. But then in poetry class, you're doing, you know, you're preparing uh, poetry to to have judged, and it, it's. It's a grueling. It's a grueling sure. experience. So you don't have time to prepare academics. So, so I'm actually really curious about this because in speaking to somebody who's gone to Juilliard, I don't think I really have had that uh, interaction. Did you want to leave at any point just to do traditional industry work? Or did I, anyone else want to just stop the grueling That's pace? such a good question. I was scared. I always wondered if I should leave and just start acting. Okay. Hmm. Wouldn't you learn more by just doing? Yeah. Because the first two years are really the training there. The second two years are all performance-based. Okay. It's like pieces. All, it's all application and... of what you've learned. But the uh, the thought of swimming in the deep pool at the age of 18, 19, sure. it scared me. I wanted to stay in the school. I now, did you to... go to become an actor? Did you go to become a singer? Did you go to become... Oh, actor. It was an actor, okay. Now, there's one thing... So going back a little bit earlier in your life, there's one thing that I'm the only one at this table that knows which is all three of us are from Connecticut. Ah! Are you from Connecticut? Are you from Connecticut? Yeah. Are you from Connecticut? Of course I'm from Connecticut. How, how, how often no, do we I'm just saying, I was doing a sh I was doing a You're bit. You're doing a shtick? Are you, you doing from a Connecticut? Bit? He's from Hartford? I'm from, right, I was born in Hartford. I'm from, I, from a town in Avon. And you I'm are from, from Milford. Milford? Yeah, where are you from? Westport. Westport. Oh, fancy guy. Three now, for anybody no, who doesn't know Connecticut, guy. we are from three different sides of Connecticut, oh, and yeah. yet still a half hour away from each other. Um, what, about what, kind of, what kind of Connecticut's are we all from? What, what kind of Connecticut is Avon, or was it? Avon, Connecticut is exactly as it sounds. It was... It was <laughs> Farmland, uh, to me. No, it was... It, I mean, it was a small town, but it was upper middle class and, uh -huh. you know, very hoity-toity kind of people, and we were not that family. But, I mean, there were kids in high school that drove the BMWs and right. all that kind of stuff. Again, yeah. not our family, but that's what it was like. So it was... What you would expect a place that sounds like Avon, Connecticut would be. <laughs> Avon Country Day exactly. School. Yeah, there were the Avon Country Clubs. And I, I, again, I went to a public high school. So yeah. I went to Avon High I yeah. because I had to audition. I was swimming in the deep end. I never was trained. So I started acting at a very young age. And I would take the bus. It was three hours you from Farmington to New York. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would do that once or twice a week for auditions to be told you'd walk in, they go, no, you don't have red hair. And you go, thank you. And you turn around oh, and you walk out. Wow. And at 12, I was walking around New York City in, in the 80s and the bus would drop you off at Port Authority. My manager was supposed to meet me there. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. <laughs> and I would walk to my audition. And it's, I mean, there's, there was no better way to grow up. I never had a problem. Uh, nobody ever accosted me. I knew the homeless people in Port Authority by name where I would literally get off the bus and somebody would go, I break a leg today, Will. And I go, thanks, Harvey. And I'd walk through the, the you know, uh, it was it was a great experience for me. It really made me grow up. What an interesting time, yeah. But, you know, and then I did my first show in New York in, at, at, 50, at Unitel Studio at 55th and 9th. What was your first show? What? Don't Just Sit There on Nickelodeon. <gasps> oh, of course. I know that show. I yeah, know that show. So that was my first one. That was 88, 89. But the idea of being trained to do it I, I never did, and, and, and I think I suffered because of that. I mean, obviously, if you had to go back and do it again, knowing your success, would yeah. you just jump into the deep end or would you go back to Juilliard again? No, I, I learned an awful lot. That's what I, I mean, was, yeah. I was emotionally very immature at 17. I had a lot to learn. The city was overwhelming. Everything about the experience was overwhelming. My yeah. first job in the city was as a mailman, as a mail carrier. Really? Deliver, delivering the mail for a private mail service. Uh, when I was 17. On a bike, walking? How were you doing it? I had a cart, a push cart. That I, it was one of those on. guys on 6th Avenue you see pushing the... Yeah, did you have your beat? Like the, like yeah. the, wow. It was like a private business mail service. It was before FedEx and that's yeah, like, this yeah. is in 73. And um, so they would all uh, subscribe to this airline mail service, basically. It, the the mail room was underneath Grand Central. Uh-huh. So you'd come in. I'd come in on the morning train from Connecticut at like 5 a.m. And go to the mail room and start sorting all the mail. And all the guys in there were wonderful. They were all these New York, uh, tough, blue-collar, yeah. uh, young men. You Real know, it was characters, all men. Yeah, yeah. Real characters, like a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. And I went to go to my Juilliard audition from that mail room. Oh, jeez. And they were so, you know, go. they used to call me Shakespeare because Aww, I was nice. always working on Shakespeare and I was working nice. on my pieces and stuff. They go, go for it, Shakespeare, go for it. You got to get in there. Oh. And uh, the day I got my acceptance, they all like picked me up in the air and they carried me out and they got me drunk at a oh, local Irish so cool. bar. It was such a wonderful New York moment. Wow. They just adopted this kid, you know. And you got in that in 73. Was my first job. That was 73? 73. Wow. So that was a job that you commuted to like before you heard about Juilliard. So you were kind of already going into New York. Right. Interesting. Um, I was going to have to get a scholarship to go. So um, I had to save up as much money as I could. So oh, I that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, what did you want to do? You got to pick your career from Juilliard. You could be a film star. You could be a TV star. You could be on Broadway. What What? what would you do? <sighs> You're both much younger than me. <laughs> it was different in the 70s. Right. There was still a theater that you could make a living in. Oh, a make a living. living. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you could train to be a classical you know, actor. Actor. Yeah. I used to go to the American Shakespeare Festival yeah. at Stratford in yeah. Connecticut. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And see the plays there. I saw- They were um, brilliant, weren't they? Oh. Didn't it burn down recently? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, my God. Yeah. But you would see these actors who did these amazing performances and were making a wonderful living at the theater. Yeah. And that doesn't exist anymore. Nope. As I, you know. anymore. Yeah. I mean, you have to supplement your income with other things. You have to. Yeah. Uh, yes. Sponsored content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the new thing uh, we're talking about. Sponsored. <laughs> Speaking of that, that, this yeah. section of Kevin Conroy has been brought to you by Amex. No, yeah. Kevin, I hate to keep bringing, integrating, but I'm just so impressed by you that I'm trying to like, like, I need to tell you certain things. So like, because we're all from Connecticut, right? Yeah. The worst audition I've ever had in my life was for that Stratford Shakespeare 
Oh, really? I was always this Disney kid. I did a bunch of Disney shows growing up, and I, but I did actually start in theater. Like I was in, I uh, was Mary Fagan, original Mary Fagan in Parade, oh. um, with Jason Robert Brown and Hell Prince and all that. And I was just a theater kid. And then Disney kind of plucked me into L.A. And then I sort of did that was a Disney. wonderful the New Wasn't York production. It? I was yes, the one that closed got closed down from Livent. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it was amazing to be a part of that. So sure. theater was how I started going back and forth as a kid from Connecticut, Connecticut to New yeah. York. So that's why I really resonate with that part of your story. But I will also say worst choice of my life was thinking that I could just try to be auditioning for Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> now I can do Shakespeare. Yeah, I was like, all of a sudden my mom's like, go for it. I was like, okay. <laughs> I sit literally standing there like, like this just terrified oh. it. Couldn't get through one like stanza or whatever it was. It just oh. just bombed. Shakespeare's not for me. Oh. I leave it to the greats. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that brings brings it to kind of an interesting point in the conversation. Where we're we're gonna get into VO because it's about VO, but it seems like acting itself has changed. Where there doesn't seem to be the discipline that there once was. There isn't the study of acting as a craft as much anymore. And it's more, I've got talent, it's natural, just hire me to be myself. And are you seeing that more? Do you see that oh, more and more God. with the, oh, with the generations coming up where it's like, which is why it seems like everything we're watching, whether it's television or, or film, everybody's British because they still study the craft yeah. of acting. Whereas we're more about being celebrities, they're still about being actors. <sighs> acting is the art of communication, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's communicating, it's telling stories. It's as old as the cavemen. It's telling stories and elevating it to an art form. And the more intimate you can make that story, the more personal, the more at risk you can make it for you, the more compelling it is. Sure. People can't take their eyes off of you if you're risking something, if you're really exposing who you are, if you're really exposing who you are. Yeah. If you're taking, if you're, if you're being dangerous, that makes it riveting. People have taken that to mean I'm just going to be myself. I see. In whatever role I play. Yeah. I see. It's about me. Yeah. Rather than taking those personal experiences, those personal emotions, that raw emotion and bringing it to the character. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, don't you think in that's... creating a character, American actors don't do that so much anymore. Well, don't I mean, you think some do? Something... Meryl Streep does. She does. There, there are, are certain few. actors who do, but for the most part, it's the British actors who do that. I really love Jessica Chastain. I think she's oh, really she's great. Oh, she's fantastic! And, and, and there's, there's, by the way, isn't she Julia trained or yes. Yale? Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, there's a group that does it, but there's also, I think, one of the things that it shows about, especially the American society right now, is there's kind of a pervasive narcissism. Oh, kind of. That is, you know, it's about, everything's about me. It's all about me, whether it is. I call it a narcissistic purgatory. <laughs> there, well, there you go. But it is. You are, so it. when you're making everything about you, then you, the idea that you don't want to watch me is so strange. It's alien. Why would you not want to watch me just being me? So mm. I don't have to study or do anything because just me is so amazing. And I think you don't see that in some of the, the foreign actors. Um, no. Now the question becomes then, bringing it back to what we do here, the question becomes, how do you get that same level of vulnerability that you've talked about that you need to really kind of establish to make something compelling when all you have to work with is your voice? I find it easier. Okay. When all you have to work with is your voice because you don't have to 
accommodate the camera. You know what I mean? Yep. You don't have that whole crew standing around you off, off camera. You don't have the boom man and the lighting guy and the makeup person and the camera coming in. All it's you and the microphone. So it's more intimate. It's so intimate. It's, it's more of an internal uh, dialogue that, that I have with the character. Sure. So in a booth, I can really let go. Whereas on camera, there's so much more that you have to accommodate. I love that choice of words. Yeah. So I find it very liberating. I find a, a sound a sound room to be really liberating. It is well, a very peaceful place. It is. I it, will it's say. A, but it's so strange because one of the best overall scenes I've ever seen done in a recording room. You and I were doing the film Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, which was a wonderful film. Great movie. And I'm sitting in between you and Mark Hamill for a week. I just sat there going, just keep your mouth shut or you're going to get fired because you don't belong here. And you never looked at each other because you can't. You're staring at the microphone. Mm -hmm. And yet the scene between you and uh, Mark where he's being so familiar with her, hello, Batsy, and just being so, hi, Bruce. And it's so unbelievable. And then, we, you know, if you've ever seen Mark Hamill work for everybody out there who hasn't, he's devouring the microphone. He's an inch away and he's just so passionate. He spits a lot. He spits a lot. You he does. Like, Shakespeare, like a Shakespearean actor, he spits a lot. <laughs> And then there's you who's taken this character that is now in his late 80s at this point. So you're trying to have that same kind of verve that you had when the first time the Joker and Batman faced off, but it's not there anymore. So there's that sense of the aged as well. And the two of you together, and I just sat back just going, I don't, this, I don't belong here. So there's that sense of it still being a stage play in voiceover that sometimes you don't get in television or on film. Mm -hmm. And it's so strange because in some ways you're so much more disconnected from your fellow actor and that you're not making eye contact. Mm -hmm. And yet just through the microphone, there mm -hmm. is that familiarity. It's so strange. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just so odd. It is interesting because you're, you're living through your voice and you're creating the character and you're creating the drama and you're creating uh, the, the tension. And the other actor is doing the same thing but you're not even looking at each other. Yeah. And there's this intimacy that develops and it's only through the voice. It's really fascinating. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. We're, we're going to get into the fact that you are the only correct answer to who's the best Batman. We're going to get into that uh, in a bit. Uh, you say that to everybody. It's true. But just to you and to me, if you... And to everybody. And to, no, no, no. I'm saying Listening who's well. the best Batman. I only yeah. say he is or I am. That's the only answer to those things. Um, I thought it was you. Now I think it's him. No, it's always him. Right. He's the only correct I answer. I think it's him. When you look at especially a Bruce Tim drawing of Batman or Bruce Wayne, do you see yourself? There's some hard-hitting questions. No. no, you don't really? I don't see myself. You don't? I really see the character. Okay. There's not a little bit of Kevin in there now? I don't know. Maybe the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> so then that's one of my questions. Let's we were we talked Wait, about, no, come on. Well, You're what? not gonna get off that. Do you see yourself in Ron? Yes. You do? I do. I do. When I if I if because it's funny, it's one of the ways that I know I'm not doing the character properly mm-hmm. is if I can see the drawing or watch the show and I don't see myself. Hmm. Okay. And there's been several characters I've done where I'm like, I'm not hitting it because when I see it, I don't see me. Yes, and I know so what you mean. And so there's certain things where I can see myself. Ron is one of them. Terry, more than Batman, was one of them. But like when I did Guardians of the Galaxy, the first 15, 20 episodes, my register was too high for the animation and I didn't see myself in the character. And it was weird. It was off-putting to me. Mm-hmm. But going back to Connecticut. Oh, yeah, let's this, go. Then, I want to bring you to your childhood. Oh, me? Yes. Yikes, that's did, a scary place to go. Well, no, for <laughs> one specific reason. Did you watch any animation, any cartoons? It wasn't even animation to us. It was just cartoons growing up. I had never, well, there wasn't a Batman cartoon. Right, right. I mean, I'd any cartoons. Seen. There was Batman comics, though, right? Comics. Yeah. Um, I watched the Jetsons. I loved the Jetsons. Uh, Yogi Bear. Okay. I the loved Flintstones. All those. Okay. I mean, all the stuff from the 60s. Sure. That was what I watched. But were you a cartoon fan? We were allowed a certain amount of TV. It was a pretty strict house. Okay. But um, but yeah, I watched the Flintstones and the Jetsons. And, but I had no exposure to comic books. Hmm. We didn't have comic books. When when I went into audition for, for Batman, uh, Bruce Timm said, what's your knowledge of Batman? And I said, well, I know the Adam West show. Uh, and he said, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. He said, we love Adam, but that's not what we're doing. He said, didn't you ever read comic books when you were a kid? The, the Batman? I said, well, no, I didn't. We didn't have comic books. He said, what kind of childhood did you have? <laughs> oh, jeez. Nice. Oh, man, that's I can see nice. Bruce saying that, too. So uh, you can hear him saying you can, that. You can. You can hear Bruce saying And so that. he is the one who introduced me. He said, oh, well, it's, you know, his parents were murdered in front of him as a child in, in Crime Alley. He's spent his life avenging their deaths. He's become this dual personality. He's a public face and a private face. And he's, uh, you know, he's, he's living to uh, avenge and to, to bring justice to the world. And I said, well, you're telling, you're kind of telling the Hamlet story mm. again. Hmm. It's very similar. Yeah. And he said, well, no one's made that analogy. <laughs> um, so I said, well, let me just use my imagination. And so I just put myself... In that scene in Crime, in Crime Alley. Had you already been in the voiceover world or the animation? None. Okay. None. This is so, the first audition I ever went in on. 
for a voiceover. And you were a little um, reluctant. Were you l- reluctant? Well, I, 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 I. It says here yes, you were reluctant. <laughs> She's reading up. The, it says I, well, reluctant. Say, damn it. Well, because actors. You know what it's like. You oh, go yeah. on 20 auditions I, I, and you don't get them. Yeah. So you become kind of casual about them. You think, yeah. do I really want to go to this one today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't really want to go to this well, one Well, also, today. I'm going to speak to the fact that I had done a lot of indie. I had, I had done like this really high art Broadway show and we were paid off to go like to my, my mom and I went to pilot season with the money because we closed early. Right. And. I ended up working, getting a Disney job, and that was it. I just worked, work, work for Disney for my whole teen years. Wow! But prior to that, I did a, did a Woody Allen movie. I did a lot of more like indie New York stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, I'm going to mention her name, but because she, she knows it's okay now. But it's just a Chico, who's oh. an amazing voice actress, yeah. and she was a good friend of mine and is still. And I love her so much. And she was like, "You sure you want to work for Disney?" And I was like, "I was like, yeah, why not?" She's like, "Okay." You know, and I was, <laughs> that's my guest to Chico. That's a pretty, it's, it's, it's a good one. Bad, it's, a good right? one. it's an okay to Chico. It's, it's okay. It's an okay it's to an Chico. It's an okay to Chico. I'm an okay to Chico on a, you know, on a good day. But yeah, I, I remembered having to make that choice and that leap into the unknown of something that was sort of wildly different than the training and experience that I had, you know, in the East Coast and the whole thing. Yeah, I was totally going to blow it off because I thought there's no way this is going to happen. Why wow. am I bothering to go over This is what, 88? 89? Uh, 91. It was nine. Okay. Because we went into production in 92. Okay. I was going to blow it off because I thought, you know, this is, this is, this is going to be a complete waste of time. Put my energy into preparing the audition for tomorrow. That is for a pilot or something. You know, that, but, yeah. that, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And I thought, oh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just go. What's, what's the worst that can happen? I can make a fool of myself. Big deal. So it was a totally random audition that I did not think was going to lead to anything. But then as I started putting my imagination into the character in the booth and putting myself into that, that, that boy in that alley and what would happen to him and wh- how he would compensate in life. And then I just, my voice went to this oh, place and this, I started using this sound that I had never used before. It just came out. And they hired me on the spot. That was it. They yeah, said, well, that's, of course. that's exactly what we want. Of course. Of course, that's what I mean. But it was totally improvised on the spot. Totally. Magic. No, no, yeah, no. I mean, to the point where I remember my dad, we were doing Beyond at the time, and something had happened where we were in New York, my father and I, and you were in New York at the time. And we were waiting in the room to record something, and you were walking down the hallway, and you said hello to somebody, and you said in your voice, like, hey, Jack, how you doing? And my dad went, who is that? Because that voice, you have that voice. And it was like, that's Kevin. Like, that's, that's Kevin. So, again, we've talked about this. First audition ever for voiceover is Batman. It is completely Shakespearean when you actually think about the Batman character. He's it's, a totally Shakespearean character. Ridiculous. Yeah. He it has is. no superpowers. He yeah. can't fly. He can't see through walls. He's a tragic hero. Yeah. He is Orestes. He is Achilles. He is yeah. Edgar in Lear. I mean, he's so many of the roles that I had played. And so I just approached it that way. So now I rewatched on literally on Sunday on the plane home. I was just in Connecticut and I'm flying home. It was negative 8,000 degrees. Um, <laughs> Don't and miss that. Batman, the animated series was just is now on all the. Delta I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm so pleased. And I was like, I'm starting over. And I went right to the pilot. And the first line of the first episode of the first Batman series okay. is 
what was that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and wasn't that you too? That was me. That was you too. That was oh, it was a helicopter pilot. Yeah, that was, was the coolest was thing that? in the world. It was the coolest thing in the world. So uh, I'm watching, and obviously the animation has changed mm. from that first episode yeah. quite a bit. The story's instantly compelling. And now getting back into the world of VO, Batman the Animated Series changed the whole ballgame for animation. It did. All the way around. From the way they recorded it, to the way they animated it, to the way they produced it, to the way it was it was promoted. To the on way television. it was scored. It was I mean, even oh, the music. That's a, big a full deal. symphony score. It was they threw yeah. money at that show. Which and is it nuts still when you think shows. about it. Yeah. It still shows. It's why it still looks yeah. so rich and so fresh and compelling. And yeah. young people still get turned on to it. Yeah. I get approached at Comic-Cons all the time by people who say, oh, I just started watching it. And it's so cool. His fans, too. They, they, it they is amazing. They all yeah. go, oh, man, you're here. Where's Kevin? <laughs> um, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> thanks. Uh, he's over there in the line. Or I will get this a lot. <laughs> this, is the, this is the best one. Like, I love Batman Beyond. Can you sign this for me, please? I'm like, yeah. Like, It's really great that you come over there. Like, yeah, Kevin's line was too long. <laughs> I get that a lot, too. Kevin's line's too long. I'm like, well, it's nice meeting No. <laughs> Did you do voices at all growing up? Did you did you do voices of your own things that you read or or have imaginary friends that you spoke to in different voices? Any of that stuff? I had imaginary friends. There oh, we really? go. Okay. Oh, this sounds so weird. Yes, do uh, it. Yes. Have you seen the title of the show? <laughs> <laughs> You're in a safe space. Come on now. We had. I, I actually grew up on Long Island. Okay. Um, oh. We moved to Westport when I was about eleven, and when I was, it was a very working class uh, community. And there were a couple of trees in the backyard, uh, dogwood trees. Mm -hmm. And when the leaves fell, I would get very, very, very upset. Oh, okay. And my mother caught me outside on a chair with tape, putting the leaves back on the tree. That was the kind of affection that That's I had so for these trees. sweet, though. I was trying to heal them because <laughs> I couldn't figure out what was going on. Oh. And then she watched me and she saw me starting to talk. And then stop and listen. And I was having a conversation with the trees. With the trees, that's amazing. That's pretty. So my pretty first poetic. imaginary friends were for the, trees. the two trees in the backyard. Do you remember what the conversation no, was? No, <laughs> I don't know what their names were, or who, you know, I don't know the personas that I put into them. Sure. But she said I would go out and have dialogue. She said I, she'd watch me, and she thought. I hope there's nothing wrong with this child. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's amazing. So you gave voice, you voiced, gave voices to the earth, essentially, well, which is pretty really great. But it was the loss of the leaves that, that that moved me emotionally to them. Yeah, and then I developed this relationship with them. Oh, Those incredible. are my first uh, voices. That's beautiful. That's pretty great, though. Do you still love trees? Oh, I'm a real outdoor person. You yeah. are a real outdoor person. Aren't I you? love yeah. being outside. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So I, I was trying to think. You might have thought of this already because I can't of literally, other than maybe a talk show host, any other actor in history who has played a role as long as you have. And I can't think of anyone. You've been Batman now in many iterations for- 30 years. 30, this is the 30th year. 30 years. Have, have the Simpsons been on longer? Maybe. I think they might. Maybe. Okay. So then they they'd might all have be voice me. actors. They might have me beat. Essentially. But you're right. It's up there. But you'd be one of a handful of actors in history that have played a single character for as long as you have. 
And what a character to play. You think? Yeah. I mean, I mean, so rich. There's so much always to find there. Yeah. You never get tired of playing him. Oh, I mean, that's just, wonderful to hear. Oh, you don't. It's yeah. just, he's so damaged. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it compels people yeah. to him. Because we're all damaged. Yeah. And people read that into Batman. They relate that to Batman. It's his humanity. It's his flaws. That's what attracts people. They really are. It's amazing. People think of the heroic and the big, sure, you know, sure. I am vengeance. They think of that as Batman. But it's really the flaws in him, I think, yeah. that really draw people in. It's also what's recurring in any iteration of Batman, even live action that we're seeing, like with the Robert Pattinson one that's recently coming. And like everyone's their own Batman, but they're all damaged. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's what anchors their performance. Yeah. But absolutely. then there's there's also something very interesting. So I remember Bruce Tim saying something to me that was, uh, we were talking about, just the, the character Batman in general. And the thing that he told me that was very interesting is he said, Bat there always needs to be a Batman for everyone. So he said, when the movies got very dark, the cartoons, the animated series got very light. So it was like Brave and the Bold came out and you saw it was more of a comedy side of Batman because the films got very dark. Uh -huh. And then he said, when the films got very light, like, like the Schwarzenegger ones, we were doing Beyond and, and Batman, the animated series. So he said, Batman always needs to exist for everybody. So a five-year-old can find their Batman and a 25-year-old can find their Batman. That's awesome. And I thought there was something very interesting about that as well, where it's just that character that has so many levels. Yeah. Where we both know Dietrich Bader very well, yeah. who came and sat down in front of the microphone and did a completely different, I mean, you, such a different Batman than, than you, you ever did. And it, one wasn't better or worse. They were just different. different. It was just different just Batman. Different. Uh, Adam West, who was, you know, God rest him. We were, I, I know you knew Adam West pretty well, right? Yeah, there was a funny scene. He lived in Utah and I had been at some Comic-Con and I was changing planes at Salt Lake City Airport and Adam was waiting for a plane at Salt Lake City Airport. We saw each other and I was like, Adam, and he went, Kevin. So we sat down and we're talking to each other and people started noticing that's Batman and Batman. <laughs> you think? So all the camera phones came out I'm sure. and people started taking pictures. It was a, a Batman convention at Salt Lake Airport. But I mean, how cool funny. is that? Because again, two completely different versions. Oh, wildly this different. I mean, couldn't wildly. be more different. Couldn't yeah, be more yeah, yeah. Different. Unbelievable, so strange. Yeah, he was a really nice, really nice man. Uh, he was a very nice man. So then you don't ever feel territorial over Batman as a whole, do you? No, not at all. It's a, you don't get to own the character. You get to sort of rent him for a while. You get to inhabit him for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and then someone else comes. You know, you don't. You've been pretty close to owning the character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, let's be honest. You've been, I love doing it. I love well, doing yeah, it. Well, yeah, but I mean. And I have a wonderful relationship with the audience. Sure. And the fans through the character. But all of us other Batman but, are pretty much playing for second. Uh, we all, I think we all know that. Oh my gosh, that takes such, like, that but it's true. I mean, but it's true. It's there's there's times where you just go. I mean, again, people always ask me, well, all right, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, who's your Batman? And I always go, Kevin Conroy's Batman. Like, you know, yeah, and, he and does. For anybody who's in who knows that. anything about animation or any or or this world or is truly a Batman fan, this is how I look at it. Because you get a lot of people that are Batman fan fans when it comes to like the films. Like right. go, but truly an all-around Batman fan, when you're reading the comic book, whose voice is in your head? Kevin's voice is in your head. Yeah. Uh, and I think most don't you hear that from most of the fans that say there when I read anything when I do anything it's your voice well I hear that from the fans because they're talking to me sure I mean they're not going to come to me and say oh I hear you know DJ they Bader. come to me and say I hear Kevin Conroy you're pretty good but I hear Kevin Conroy maybe, I do too but I maybe too. they know how much 
you love him. This is like a known well, thing I think it's, I mean, of course, well, we've talked about that many times too, where the, you know, the Bruce and Terry relationship was, was kind of similar to yours and mine when it, was. it came to the, the, actually doing the show. It was. Um, but it was so funny. You mentioned The Simpsons. Okay. So I, was, I couldn't think of another actor that has played a single role, owned a role for 30 years. It's yeah. Unusual. <laughs> yeah. You it's think? It's epic. I think, yeah, it's epic. So goals, uh, we are going to get into, and then the games came along. Well, that okay. So that's what actually the where Arkham we were games. Gonna, we were just going to jump which into are a whole just other thing. amazing. Now, how is that different ah! in recording? <laughs> that's what I want to know. How is that ah! different than, than animation? Go, please it's tell like, us. It's like root canal. It is so different because you know that when you do a recording in the studio with the other actors, especially for Warner Brothers, everybody's there together, and it's like doing a radio play. Yeah, you're all interacting. You're, you have the other actor feeding you. You have Mark Hamill feeding you a line. I mean, how can you not act well exactly. in yeah. response? Yeah. You know what I mean? He just brings it out of you. Yeah. But when you go in to do games, everything's got to be on its own track because of the way the games are played. Everything's on its own algorithm, you know? So they can't do people together. So yeah. everything's isolated. So you're in a room alone, a soundproof room, and you're creating the situation of the character the character, the what what does he want? What is he after? What's just happened? Where are you going? And then keeping the voice alive, line by line by line by line by line. And they do them all one line at a time. So it's totally different. Hundreds of cues, it's, it's thousands of cues. 37,000 lines. Come on. In Arkham Knight, the third of the Arkham series. 37,000 lines. Because depending on how the games play, you go, it's a, there are you, you literally take a thousands of different things there. And how long does that take you to no record? It took two years to record. Oh my God. Wow. And four hours at a time, alone, in a booth, you come out and you're just sweating. And then they give you an hour for lunch and then you go in four hours more. Wow. And you're just keeping, just keeping the drama alive in your head and keeping it straight. What's happened to him now? Where's he going? Did he just get in a fight? Is he, you know... All that stuff you're keeping alive in your own head, and it's it's exhausting. By the end of the day, you're just depleted. You're depleted and yeah, you're, you're exhausted. Yeah. And then they do that for about a week, mm -hmm. and then you get a few weeks off while they're writing more stuff, and then they bring you in for another week. That's Jeez. really tough work. People, I think, assume that just because you're talking into a microphone that it's not hard work. Yeah, you always hear that. Well, you're a voiceover. You can come in in your pajamas. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's somebody who's never actually done the work. Right, yeah. right. Um, no, building games is is really hard work. Is there one you prefer? Act from an acting standpoint. Uh, Arkham Knight, the third of the Arkham trilogy, I think, is that one with the thirty-seven thousand. Yeah, because Dude. the end oh, of it. Seven, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to give away the sure. end. But Batman goes through this, this transition, this 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 catharsis that is was so challenging as an actor to do. Yeah, you, know, you like to be challenged by things like that. Sure. Yeah. And I was so proud of the way it it came out. I was really really happy with that one. That's cool. So I don't think I've ever asked you this, and you can't say me because it's obviously the answer you would give being that it's our podcast. <laughs> and you can't say you. Who's your favorite Batman? Oh, boy. Who's my favorite Batman? Oh, man. This I'm not sure weird. I've ever asked you I can't you say me. You can't say you. You can't say you, and you can't, you can't really? say me either. Who would you, of course you would. <laughs> 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 no. Um, 
who would I, who's it? I, I thought it was really crazy for Warner Brothers not to give the franchise to one person, the, the on-camera franchise. Sure. Because tra- traditionally that's what always happened. Yeah. You know, you'd have one person play a character. Sure. Do it, you know. Like um, a James Bond kind of thing. Like James Bond sure. or, or um, Peter Sellers. And, sure. You know, Clouseau. And there, there'd be certain, you know, the character would just do that franchise. So when Michael Keaton did the first of the Batman movies, I thought, well, he's, he's nailed it. Yeah. He's got it. Yeah. And he's going to get the whole franchise because I love him as an actor. He's a brilliant actor. He's he really is. I'm one so of my happy he's He's such an amazing actor. Yeah, he's one of my favorites ever. He really and is. And so I think it's impossible to pick one because they're all so different. Yeah. They really are But when I started so seeing the different characters, yeah. I mean, Ben Affleck is fantastic. He was good. Is he? He's fantastic he in the role. He was role. good. Right. He was the best part of Batman versus Superman by far. And Christian Bale is a little sketchy with his Batman voice, but as Bruce Wayne, great Bruce Wayne, phenomenal, great Bruce Wayne, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. So everybody brings something different. That it's I, I realized after a while why they did that. It makes it makes it so interesting yeah. to see what different actors bring. Yeah. What, but, yeah. but to be honest, Michael Keaton, I think. I if think I had I, to pick one, yeah, I, yeah, would I would probably pick agree hands with down. You. Yeah. Yeah. Hands Keaton. down. I would yeah. have to agree. Now, don't you think that Batman the animated series is partially responsible for actors realizing that Batman and Bruce Wayne are two different characters? Well, certainly that they should have two different voices and two different personas. That hadn't been done before. Yeah. And I asked Bruce if I could do that. Yeah. Because I said, wait a minute. Because I was so new to all this. I said, he's. He's the richest man in Gotham. He's the most desirable bachelor. He owns half the city and he puts on a, a mask and no one knows it's him. Yeah. I said, seriously? That's that's stretching credulity that's to a ridiculous point. Yeah. Right. I said, can I, you know, change the voice up a little bit? And uh, so we decided my my image was of a playboy, sophisticated, almost a David Niven kind of character. Hmm. That's what I was visualizing. Yeah. And it just was a lighter register of my own voice. It was just slightly lighter and a little more ironic. It used a lot of irony and a lot of uh, humor. I went a lot for the humor. But you definitely, it was it was Batman and Bruce Wayne were two different people. Yeah, they were different. And that was never, I don't think that had ever really been done before or explored no. to that extent as it had in Batman the Animated Series. They, they decided over time to have me tone it down because mm-hmm. when the artwork came back, the show was so dark. It was all painted on black. Yeah. It was the first time a show had been painted on a black background. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was very dark. Oh, wow. And the, the music was so dramatic and the stories were so complicated. They said, you know, when you go to that light, ironic voice, it's it's a little too jarring. <laughs> so they had me tone it down. Okay. They they liked the distinction, yeah. but they just wanted it less less so. <laughs> so they actually, I went back and re-recorded the first few episodes. Really? There is quite a harmony involved in the, like you're saying, this the the music mixed with the actual animation to yeah. the voices. It kind of is all synergistic. Really? Yeah. Like with uh, the characters that he and I were blessed to play our characters with Kim and Rob. Uh-huh. We kind of massaged it over the first season of trying to find... So that, you know, when we, you've mentioned that, like, sometimes if you watch some of your work, you're like, oh, I didn't do that right. I'm mm-hmm. taking, I'm, I'm taking myself out of yeah, yeah, yeah. that character. It's not blending well. Like he can't see himself in that character. And it's true. And it's, it's just, it's one of those things where I, I don't know, I, I always thought about, cause I, the exact opposite thing happened to me when I was doing beyond where they pulled back my gravel where Andrea would constantly say, you're getting too gravelly and too R, she'd say too piratey with the uh, with the Batman voice. I love that. Because with Terry, it was as a 17-year-old kid, when he went and put on the cowl, 
going, hey, stop. No, nobody was going to be afraid of him. Uh-huh. So it was interesting that we mirrored ourselves in that aspect mm-hmm. as Opposite well. Where they they yeah. pulled you back from the higher register and they pulled me back from the lower register, yeah. which I thought was was kind of fun. But again, I think anybody who knows animation or likes animation knows that Batman the Animated Series changed the whole ballgame. Oh, definitely. Changed the whole I, I, I lived through that too as a, as a viewer. Yeah. So I, I completely can't. It became, that. it was no longer a cartoon. It was an animated. It was series, a movement, and that was yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. The they, actors they brought in, everything about this show was extraordinary. I mean, going in every week was like an acting lesson. The people I got to work with: Mark Hamill, Roddy McDowell, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Stacy Keach. I saw Stacy Keach's Hamlet when I was in high school. Jeez. Oh, I mean, I had always admired his work, and that's and, Andrea. I and mean, that's that Andrea, Andrea bringing just... all these different actors, and she went way outside the traditional pool of voice actors. What she was, brought them in too. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what was the traditional reach of actors then? People off of certain types of That's shows? a good question. Oh, what well. was the voiceover actor? Well, Andrea always referred to a lot of it as pukey. Do you remember that? Oh, okay. With with like... Well, there were some who would be, be pukey. Not the but actors, then, but the, the acting the itself. Acting. Not necessarily the actors. It was, it was but, overly saccharine and overly... Cartoony, yeah, was the term they used to okay. use. Okay, don't be cartoony, yeah, because um, you know, like when she would always say that when somebody would come in and they, it was always newscasters. A newscaster would come in with with something and they'd go, you know, and this just in in Gotham, and she'd go, no, 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 like you're a newscaster, say it just like you're. An, and I remember yeah. sitting there going, like, oh, that's what she means by pukey, like don't do a cartoon, like it was. Yeah. And she was always had that down. Pukey, that's so interesting. And I think that it was real. Is I was the word I would use for yeah. Batman the Animated Series. It was real. Yeah. She brought in actors Very to act. Realistic. So if there was any voice character hmm. that you would want to do. <laughs> I'm doing it. I is know. it? And it's not Batman. Again, you I can't know. pick Batman. Okay. You have to pick something pick... else besides Batman God. to do. Who would you do? I don't yeah. know. Who Betty? Oh. <laughs> doing the But Joker. I don't have his laugh. I don't have his laugh. I think an episode. But I have his sinister. Yeah. Yes, I could see that. I've done actually a a voice for a new um, animated show that hasn't been. I don't know what's happening with it, but he's very sinister. Oh. And it's really fun. It's good to play a villain. You like after all these years. I am also officially uh, advocating for somebody to write an episode where Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy get to switch roles for one for one episode. (laughs) Oh, they did that with KP. Remember, we did the body switch. You guys should body switch. I want to see Mark Hamill as Batman and Kevin Conroy as the Joker. I think that would be very very cool. His his laugh is just ridiculous, otherworldly. I mean, it's just incredible. Well, that was but that was the thing is. so many people saw Star Wars and kind of went, oh, Mark Hamill, cute. Well, good. that's what I knew of him from. And then, but his actual acting. He's a he's, he's a character actor. And a ridiculously good one. It's he's insane. not a young leading man, which is what he was pigeonholed right. into because he was such a good looking guy. With yeah. that haircut. And with that haircut. That tan <laughs> skin. Yeah. But Mike, he's a really good looking guy. Oh, he is such but a good he's actor. He's really a character actor. He's yeah. crazy. And uh, not only crazy, but insanely talented. Yeah. It's just watching that. All right, so we've come to a portion of our podcast here that um, makes us a little different than all the other podcasts out there. So while we're just starting, it's not fully interactive yet, but eventually we are going to be fully interactive. And kids, young adults, and even some adults, are going to get to Skype in, come in, talk to their favorite voiceover actors. But more importantly, artists are going to send in pictures and have some of their favorite 
voiceover actors add voices to their characters. Oh, wow. So we have a stack here. Oh. That was sent. <laughs> Did you like uh, some water? Not yeah. to yeah. put you on the spot, but here. to completely put you on the spot. I know. Uh, we've had, for our first couple episodes, we've had some kids, some adults, send in some pictures. So it's fun to put this. you on the spot, isn't it? This is the joy. Flexing uh, the muscles. <laughs> and we would like, would you like us to pick or would you like to pick? Yeah, let me just... Here we go, here we go. <laughs> is he picking is at random? Oh. It's up to you. Okay. We should what let am the I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, that Some fish. great artists and wow. some inspiring beautiful artists, fish. certainly. Oh, that one's kind of <laughs> cool. These are fun. Again. Imagine being fun. a little kid and getting yeah. Kevin Conroy to put a voice to the character you've drawn. <laughs> These are fun. These are right? fun. Okay, I grabbed a couple. You grabbed a couple? Oh, you right. grabbed a couple. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so this first one is a beautiful fish with, it almost looks like a, a very disney fish. It does look like a disney fish. It's a beautiful fish. Is, uh, uh, this is from Sam. Who created our logo here. Oh, Sam, wow. this is a beautiful fish. Beautiful. Uh, a beautiful fish. And Kevin Conroy grabbed wow. your fish right out of the stack. So, okay, Kevin, you're, you, you see that. You're, an audition comes in front of you. We want Kevin Conroy to read for the part of Sam the fish. This is my butterfly. And this is my favorite butterfly. This is my pet butterfly. I'm caressing my butterfly because fish love butterflies. Oh. That's a great voice. That's a great voice for Sam the fish. Oh. And here we have a cat who's also from Sam. He's oh, portly. Sam. He's portly, that, that cat. I am a very portly cat. This is King Pussycat. <laughs> I am King Pussycat and I am emperor for the day. Emperor for the day. There you go. Look at that. Sam. Oh, that's awesome. Kevin Conroy just put voices to two of your characters. We got them both up there? We do. We have this one now, too. <laughs> so much. King Pussycat fun. and what was the fishy name? Sam. 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 Sam the fish. Well, I really, I think I like Sam. I really like Sam, Sam a lot. Sam and his butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, what's next? What's, what's next for you down the line? Um, this thing I just started doing that I'm, you never know what you can talk about. Sure, I know. Yeah, yeah. Something awesome coming out. It's by an Australian creator. Okay. Aborigine writer. Oh, cool. Uh, which is really interesting. Yeah. And then there was another one that I did a couple of episodes of that. These are things that are waiting to be picked up. I never know what I'm allowed to say the names of. Yeah. It's better Let's to err on trouble. the side of, of, of caution and just say you've got some really cool stuff coming out, right? Yeah, but then it sounds like you're just an actor lying to make it sound like you're working. I do that all the time. You can't, I do that all the time. I've got amazing things coming out. I got some incredible got, stuff oh coming out. Right? I've got a podcast. I got a pile of scripts this high at home. I don't know which one to pick. I was in a, you know, when you do the uh, the the upfronts for the networks sure. when you're doing a TV show. Yes. And so they bring into New York, and you meet all the advertisers and everything. And I was doing one for a show that I was on with an actor, and. I was doing interviews with him and he said, he's literally said during the interview, I had a pile of scripts this high and I picked this one off of the top and I said, you know, this is a show I want to do. And I was thinking, what a load of crap. This guy was so excited to get that to job. Get a single audition. And he's saying, 
I had a pile of scripts. <laughs> he actually says, "This high." You love when high. actors hire. Of course, not lying. Actors, <laughs> lying actors. Well, that's or act, they just act. They just act. Actors acting. Actors oh acting. gosh, that's actors way. being actors. That's the way it is, isn't it? That should be a podcast. No, I'm sure I, I don't want that. To actors be. <laughs> being actors. And it's just a whole, it's a whole bunch of whispering into the camera about. So where did you find your motivation? <laughs> that's an NPR. That. That's a, exactly, exactly. Welcome to NPR. Well, actors yeah. on actors. Voices on acting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh again we've now got batman for 30 some odd years batman ain't going anywhere you're constantly being cast as batman because you're batman where do you what would you like to see from the batman character that maybe you haven't done yet is there any part of this character in 30 years that has not been explored that you'd like to see they've explored so much i love it when his identity gets challenged those are scripts that I really get excited by. There was one called Perchance to Dream. Oh, one of the Where he gets drugged ever. and he goes back into his childhood. And so I was Bruce Wayne. I was Batman. I was drugged to Batman. Then I was adolescent Bruce Wayne. And I was Thomas Wayne, the father. So yeah. I did five voices in that, in that show. That all had to be believably connected but distinct. Sure. But those kind of... Because it's the psychology of the character that makes him so interesting. Yeah. So any of the ones that, that challenge that, I love. Like at the end of Arkham Knight, yeah. the, the game, yeah. that's what happens to him. He gets, his identity gets challenged. So I, I love it when that happens. It does. It seems like kind of the, the toughest fights ever for Batman are really the fights Bruce Wayne has to do against himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which he's, is kind of the, the cool thing with the character. I have, a wonder, I have a great big collection of cells. I've been collecting them all the time I've been doing the show. So I've got like 60 or oh, 70 cells. So wow. cool. And one of them is Batman struggling with Bruce Wayne. Oh, that's yeah, beautiful. That's, that's cool. cool. Isn't that yeah, cool? That's, that's cool. very cool. That's cool. I love that image. Do you now, yeah. I've got to ask, do you sign your own cells to make them worth more? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. You have to. I do the same thing. It's like, this is the greatest thing. I'm going to hang it on my wall. Two will. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not? How do you not? But I started collecting other ones like Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera and uh, You're still Disney. talking Andrea Romano. <laughs> Looney yeah, no, Tunes, no. Hanna-Barbera. She's got probably a lot of got a really great cell collection. That's like oh. the original NFT. Yeah. yeah. I got a lot of a pinky in the brain. I've got oh. a Carrot Blanca. Oh, cells. come on. It's a classic. I don't know that one. It's a Looney Tunes where Bugs Bunny yeah. plays um, it's Sam a, yeah. from Casablanca. Yeah. It's, a, it's a spoof on Ca Casablanca. Yeah, okay, but he's a okay. carrot, right? And, oh, no, I, no. He's a, he's I know a what you're rabbit. talking about. Where oh, he's, okay. He's the, the, I, I'm thinking of the one where he's the, it's the carrot one. And yeah. um, Tweety Bird is Sydney Green Street. Oh, They're incredible. They're great cells. And it's a classic. So I, I've got some great cells. Is that your nerddom? Like if you, if you pick a nerddom, is it kind of cells. animation history? It's becoming so. Yeah, I, I knew that. nothing about it when I got into it. Mark is the maven about animation history. He right. can tell you Everything. the episode number of the obscure show and what color the cape was. You know, I mean, he knows everything about animation. It's amazing. Well, you can tell, you can see it in his passion. Yeah. But you, I mean, again, I, I got to, it was honored enough to sit next to you for many years at the microphone and to see the passion is. Honestly, I've, I'm honored incredible. that you were here today. Thank no, you so thank much. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, for this is great coming in. Your time. This Good luck huge. with this. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This is, by the way, your none of podcast. this has been recorded. No, I don't uh, think. Uh, this was one, all a rehearsal. This is a rehearsal. Yeah. We're gonna sh- we were gonna shoot yes. the rehearsal, but decided against it. <laughs> uh, we are gonna be doing it. Uh, you know, we're gonna do it live next time. It's gonna yes. be great. Kevin Conroy, thank, thank you so you much guys. again Thanks for including me. The we love only you. answer to who's the best Batman, Kevin, Kevin Conroy. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Cannot end on anything better than that. Thanks, everybody. There's okay. half this Connecticut together. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.